this morning. We uh, find ourselves in the Gospel of John. Once again, uh, we left off last week at verse 12. Uh, so we will begin there in verse 12 uh, this morning. So if you would turn to me, turn with me to John's Gospel. Uh, this morning, we're going to pick up there, like I said, in verse 12. Uh, we'll pray, then we will uh, read the passage for our consideration, and then we will divide the text, uh, making some observations and applications along the way. But first, would you please join me in prayer? And Father in heaven, we do come this morning to the Holy Scripture asking for your help, your Holy Spirit's help. We ask that the passage this morning would enlighten our minds that we might think correctly, that it would inflame our hearts to love appropriately, and that you would move our will to obey faithfully. We pray this morning for those who are affected by COVID, such that they're unable to gather here with us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would heal them and that you would minister to their souls as they recover. We pray, Father, for all of those in the body of Christ who are gathered throughout the county on this Lord's day, that they would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened, that they would be renewed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. It is in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please, as you are able, please stand with me for the reading of God's infallible, inspired, and inerrant word of God from the gospel of John chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming 
Whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. This is God's word. Y'all can be seated. You know, a a well-used joke to illustrate the tension in marriage goes like this. I told you that I would get to it. I don't need you to remind me every six months. But we as Christians, we need reminders, don't we? We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded about what marks us out as Christians. We need reminded that God is the one who saved us. We need to be reminded that we are but travelers in this life and that our citizenship is not of this world. God the Holy Spirit reminds us of these things. God the Holy Spirit teaches us to trust when our faith fails us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we are outside of our ability. So I ask us this morning, if if you knew the time of your departure from this life, you who have children, what would you want to leave them? What guiding principle would you want to leave them with? What, what, what necessary truth would you want them to hang on to so that they know how to live in this life? Well, remember, as we look at our text this morning, getting us a full look at, at kind of what's going on in, in Jesus' teaching here, we need to remember that the disciples are troubled in their heart. First, they're troubled that Jesus is going to depart from them. But additionally, they're troubled that one among them is going to betray him. Peter's particularly troubled, isn't he? That Jesus says, you will deny me. Chapters 14 through 16, Jesus gives us this teaching on what the life of faith is going to look like when he's gone. And the reasons to not let the trouble of this life lead them to despair of heart. Do you remember from 14 uh, verse 1? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. To the disciples, Jesus is really saying here, You know, the way forward after my departure is the way of faith. You've believed the word of the Father. Believe also in the things that I have taught you and the works that I have done and the example that I have set for you. And although troubles will be plenty, the peace of God shall rule your hearts. And Jesus also promises in chapter 14, verse 26 and 27, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The way of faith trusts all that the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus. Just like we saw last week from chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Jesus has taught them. I am the true vine, the true Israel. Abide in my righteousness. Hold on to me. Hide yourself in my love. He tells them, know that, that though you falter in abiding in me, though you may sometimes let go, I am holding on to you. I am the true vine who will not fail to deliver you to the Father. So as we look at our text this morning, Jesus answers kind of an unasked question. What does the life of faith look like after you're not physically going to be present with us? And what do you expect from your disciples? And then what can we expect the life of faith to look like in this world? If you abide in the vine, you are uh, to bear the fruit of salvation, namely the fruit of the Spirit, love. You're to love one another as I have loved you. You can expect this, that the world has hated me. And as the world has hated me and has maligned me and has ridiculed and persecuted me, so also will they hate you. So also will you be maligned, ridiculed, and persecuted. But the helper, he will come and he will fill in these places of misunderstanding and fill in these places of lack of faith in you. He will reveal more fully the truth concerning me. You then will bear witness to the truth about me in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us jump into our text here, looking at uh, verses 12 through 17 a little more closely. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. As we saw from our study last week, those who belong to Jesus are expected to bear the fruit of their salvation. They're to abide in Jesus by faith, and the Father will remove anything in the disciple's life that does not bear fruit in keeping with repentance in his loving discipline towards us. In our text this morning, see, Jesus commands the disciples to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. You know, you've heard all of the fruits of the Spirit, and I said some of them last week. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all of those others are but flavors of the one fruit. They are flavors of the same fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, love for one another. Love amongst each other. One brother to another brother, a sister to a brother, sister to a sister. This kind of love is to be demonstrative of how Jesus loves you. Remember chapter 13. Jesus took the lowest position in the room to serve them. And he told them, take the same posture with one another as I have done to you. 
Genuine love ensures obedience. John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 13 of our text, Jesus says, This is love. He tells them what love is. When we look at verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So, of course, he's foreshadowing his own death. But their understanding is about one another there. In this point, he's talking about how they love one another. To demonstrate that you are loved by the Lord Jesus, you lay down your life for your friends. You live a sacrificial life. That is what love is. Love is sacrificial. Love is obedient. This kind of love is indicative of those who are abiding in Christ's love for them. Loving one another in obedience to Jesus' commands does not make them friends. I don't want us to get this. That loving one another and loving as Jesus commands is not what makes you friends with Jesus. It is what characterizes that you are friends of Jesus. It is what demonstrates the character of a Christian is love for one another. And it characterizes those who are loved by Christ. It is what confirms that they have been incorporated into the vine. Those who have been incorporated into Christ. Love for God is tied to and verified by love for other believers. I want to say that again. Love for God is tied to and verified by love for other believers. One of the things we as disciples of Jesus Christ need to be reminded of is what fruit does the, the Father require of us? And what kind of love is commanded? Greater love has no one other than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You see, this is one of the sayings that the Spirit will bring to remembrance. This is one of the things that the disciples will be need, need to be reminded of. This definition of love. Greater love has none than this, that you lay down your life for a friend. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us of Jesus' sacrificial love for us constantly. The reason why we go to the table of communion week in and week out is to remind us of Christ's sacrificial love for us. To remind us that we now are able by the power of the Holy Spirit, by His shed blood washing over us, making us new, to live a new kind of love, to live a new kind of life, to live a life by faith in Jesus. We need the Spirit to remind us that the fruit of those that abide in the vine, those who are incorporated into Christ, those who are incorporated into the true Israel, those who are friends of Jesus is love. Love. Love that flows from a pure heart, from a clear conscience, and from a sincere faith. Obedience to Christ is tested by this new commandment. Obedience to Christ is tested by this commandment. Are you abiding in Jesus? Are you producing the good fruit of Jesus Christ in this life? Are you a friend of Jesus? If you answer yes to these questions... Your life will be characterized by love for other believers. 1 John 3 verse 10 says this, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor does the one who does not love his brother. Loving the church member that is sitting across the aisle from you, you know, the one that grates on your nerves. Loving that church member in a sacrificial way, I want you to get this, it's not an option. It's not an option for brothers and sisters. Notice this, it is the command of the Savior, the one who loved you. It is a command of Jesus. And it is evidence of saving faith. Notice he, this is my commandment. Doesn't sound like a suggestion, does it? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. What a tall order for us, isn't it? To love one another as Christ loved us. That's a tall order. But it is the command of Christ and it is the evidence of saving faith. And more than likely, I believe that it is the main reason why Jesus says the helper's coming. <laughs> You're going to need some help with this one. The helper is coming. And when he comes, he will enable you to do that when the Holy Spirit comes. Notice verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, you are friends of Christ. You have been given understanding into God's plan of salvation. You are more than just a servant. If you obey, it is evidence that you are a friend of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus Christ to these disciples, it distinguishes the slave from the friend. Though the disciples now only really understand in part, the promised Holy Spirit will complete the revelation that is bound up in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus' disciples really are more informed, more privileged, more comprehending than any believers that ever came before them. Truth of the matter is, is that you and I who are in Christ are more informed, more privileged, more comprehending than any of the Old Testament saints. Because Jesus has made known the heart of the Father to you and to I. He's made known to us the plan of salvation, of God's redemptive work in the world. But immediately, you see, Jesus does not want the disciples to get puffed up concerning this understanding, this insight, this, this friendship, this relationship that he has built with them. He does not want them to get puffed up concerning that. So notice that immediately, verse 16 and 17, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Though you're commanded to love, and you've been given insight into the mystery of salvation, Jesus says, there's no room for boasting. You did not choose me. If you love Jesus and you love your neighbor, know this, it's because God chose you. 
It is because God in Christ Jesus appointed you to that kind of love. That God in Christ Jesus commanded you to love in that way. There's no room for boasting. I appointed you to be loved by me. And I am a friend of sinners who loves them to the point of death. None of you will do that for one another. Go and bear the fruit of the true vine, but only love one another as I have loved you. Be held by my love for you. Hold on to my love by obeying the command to love your brothers and sisters. Let us look at verses 18 through 25. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep uh, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they did not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Jesus says to the disciples, not only is the walk of faith marked by sacrificial love for believers, but the walk of faith in this life is also marked by persecution and hatred from the world. You're called out of the world. You are called to be separated from the world, separated from its systems, separated from its norms, separated from its sense of morality, its sense of wisdom. If you've been called out of the world, you will be persecuted and hated just as I have been. Listen to those two things as the way forward in faith. Love your brothers as I have loved you, and the world will hate you. That's the promise. The promise is, I command you to love one another. And here's the promise. Because I've called you out of the world, the world will hate you. Wow. But I think it's an important thing for us to remember as we go forward in this life of faith, isn't it? It's a thing to really hang on to and remember. That if I am obedient to the Lord, if I am different as we ought to be, if the Lord saved us, if we are different from the world, Trust that you have been appointed to hatred from the world. You've been appointed to love one another and bear fruit in the midst of hatred from the world and persecution from the world. Love as I have loved you, and you can expect to be hated as I am hated, Jesus says. Love as I have loved, and be hated as I have been hated. They hate me because I spoke the word of truth, Jesus says. Obedient disciples, right? They have the word of truth. And if it is spoken as we ought to speak, you too will be maligned, persecuted, and hated. I ask us this. Are you embraced by worldly people? 
If so, it may be that you and I have embraced worldly thinking, worldly habits, worldly pleasures. It may be that we go along to get along, never speaking the truth of the gospel, never speaking the truth that the kingdom of God is at hand, that repentance and faith is necessary, that faith in Christ alone is what will propitiate or satisfy the wrath of God that your sin and and our sin so richly deserves. Maybe the church of Christ doesn't face much persecution today because many believers are not living contrary to the world, but instead we have embraced it. We've taken it as our own. True disciples of Jesus, they love as he has loved them and they are hated in the world. This is another thing that the Spirit will remind the disciples of. The Spirit will remind us, will remind them and us, you are not of this world. Do not be disheartened by the persecution and hatred of the world. Remember that you are abiding in the one that the world hated first. Let us look at verses 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Here Jesus says, you understand the plan of salvation, and you understand it in part as friends. But when the Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, He will bring to your remembrance a fuller understanding concerning me. And he will empower you to bear witness to the truth concerning me. The Spirit will bring to remembrance all the things that I taught you concerning me. The Spirit will bring to remembrance that I supersede Moses. Though that the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Spirit will remind you that the festivals were but a shadow of what was to come that Jesus is the light of the world. The Spirit will bring to the disciples remembrance that Jesus is the true vine, that Jesus is the true Israel. All who are called Israel are those whom the Father has drawn and given to Jesus Christ as a gift. It is Jesus' just reward for His obedient, sacrificial faith and love, even unto death on a cross. The Spirit will remind the disciples that Jesus is the life of men, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is a new life to be lived, and it is a life of faith, a life that is held by and holds on to Jesus, a life that bears the fruit of salvation, a life that carries out the justice of God. The Spirit will remind the disciples that Jesus that the disciples of Jesus, the legitimate children of God, are pruned and disciplined by the Lord that they might bear that fruit that is in keeping with repentance. The Spirit will remind the disciples of Jesus that you've been called out of the world and you've been appointed to bear the fruit of love toward other believers and appointed to persecution and hatred from the world. Jesus says, I'm going away. You're called to trust in me going forward by faith and not by sight. Next, Jesus will give the reason he has said these things in chapter 16, 
verses 1 through 4. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when uh, whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So I want to tell you this, brothers and sisters. You may not have experienced it yet. Or maybe to some degree you have, faintly. But trouble is coming. Trouble is coming. The world and its system hates Jesus. The world and its system hates the proclamation of the gospel. They hate you narrow-minded, bigoted people who say that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ shed blood. They hate you for that truth. Trouble is coming. And Jesus says, for my name's sake, they will kick you out of the religious institutions of the day. Think about this. I know some pastors who've been fired from their positions because they spoke the truth about Jesus Christ. Hard truths, scriptural truths. I know several because they stood firm on what the gospel is, what the gospel proclaims, and the church has hated them for it and got rid of them because the world has taken on those institutions, hasn't it? A bunch of worldliness in there. Here's the thing. Here's the truth. You will be the scum of society. And Jesus says, I've said these things to you that you may lay hold of me by faith in troubled times. That you would not be disheartened by the troubles that will certainly befall you, but you, you will know that you are mine and that I am the one holding on to you. When the hour comes... When these trials come, uh, remember these things. I am soon sending the Spirit of Truth to remind you of the, these things that you don't lose heart. Well, church, we need help, don't we? We need to be reminded that in Christ we are commanded to love as He has loved. We must remember that the troubles we face because of worldly opposition, Jesus has appointed us to those things. We need to be reminded that we need to be as close to and as pressed into the person of Jesus as we can. We know that we need to hang on to him by faith. We need to know that help has come. We need to understand that he that is in, in you is greater than he that is in the world. The command to love the unlovable believer across the aisle. We need to know that we can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. The persecution and the hatred of the world that it throws your way, you can withstand that too in the Spirit's strength. We also, I, I think, need to understand if we are not being persecuted today, if the church is not being persecuted today, if we're not, are we obedient I mean, that would be the first question I would ask myself. Is that if we're not under persecution today, are we being obedient 
in two ways. Are we being obedient to love the brother and sister across the aisle in a sacrificial way? The answer to that is no. Maybe that's why you're not being persecuted. Are we silent? Are we silent concerning the gospel? Do we shrink back from saying in the world as systems are described to us and people who are of the world say, this is how life is. And we say, but do we not say, but the kingdom of God is like this. The word of God says this. Jesus is the king of the world. He's the king of the universe. He is true. The scripture is the uh, authority by which I stand. This is the truth. Do we say those things? Do we live those things? I think that if we don't live those things, that may be why the church has not felt the kind of persecution that is described here. The world is okay with us as long as we have done what we've done, which is adopted worldliness into the church. We made the church palatable to the world. We make it pleasant for them. We pick music that doesn't offend them. We preach messages that skirt around the truth, but don't tell it. And the world says, I have no problem with those Christians. Because one, they're cowardly and don't tell the truth. They keep it to themselves. And they look a lot like us. They have great entertainment. You should come and sing with them, right? Those kind of things. I just wonder if the church got serious about their faith, got serious about sacrificial love toward one another, got serious about proclaiming the truth of the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it, trouble is coming. Are you afraid of the trouble? It's another thing, are we fearful? Are we fearful of the trouble and persecution that is certainly due to come to us? I think one of the reasons why we fail to be obedient is we are in fear. Fear of persecution. I think the church has been in fear of being persecuted. Being maligned, being hated, being thought weird, strange, dull, whatever it might be. So shrink back. Let's not make waves. I say, brothers and sisters, let us make waves in the world. Let us be separated. As Jesus said, you are, I called you out of the world. Out of the world. You have a different view of everything. A different view of everything than the world system has. The scriptures are my guide. The scriptures tell me the view of the world and knowing how things move. If we did that, persecution is coming. But let us say, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Because we know, as we have read this scripture from cover to cover, and we know how it ends, that the Lord Jesus is victorious in the end. That you and I are made able to stand through faith in Jesus Christ. We are able to stand. Who can stand? Who will stand when the wrath of God comes to the world? Who will stand? Which one of you will stand? 
the one who has been faithful and trusts in Jesus Christ, you will be made able to stand. It is only you and I who will be able to stand. Those who live by faith in Jesus Christ will be able to stand when the wrath of God comes to the world to judge it. Only you, only I who have faith will be able to stand. We need the Spirit's help to remind Spring Hill Church that we have been called out of the world. And right now I want to ask the Holy Spirit as we pray to remove all worldliness from our lives individually and from our church corporately. To remove worldly thinking. To remove worldliness from our hearts. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Spirit, we ask, Lord, that you would show us those things that are worldly in us. That we would repent and remove those from our lives, Lord. That we would... Somehow as we gather together on Sunday morning when we cross the threshold into the church, this is a distinct, separate place. It is the embassy of the kingdom of God in a world uh, that has gone wrong because of sin. We would be a people set apart. That our worship would be set apart to glorify you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would cast all worldliness out of us individually. The things we watch, the things we read, the things we listen to, Lord, and that that same truth would be evident as we gather corporately, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. From God's Word, Romans eleven thirty six, we will leave with this. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you.